Turn with me, please, this morning to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Uh, We're not continuing the series this morning. I have something else in my heart, and we may be, uh, for the time, finished with that, that series. We'll see. But I've been stirred up about this. And uh, we have Vision Sunday coming in just a couple of weeks, right? Vision Sunday. Everybody say Vision Sunday. Now, if somebody's not here and you know them, uh, call them, let them know, say, hey, hey, get ready for Vision Sunday and make sure you're here Vision Sunday because this is where we all stand up as a family together and we release our faith. For the coming year and beyond. And it is, is so vital. In Psalm 126. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you. Ushers would you take the aisle. Raise your hand if you don't have a Bible with you. Use one of ours. Turn find these scriptures. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Let's pray before we read this. Father thank you so much. For loving us and being here with us this morning, in us and with us and around us and through us. You are real to us. We love you. We believe in you. Open our eyes and our ears and our heart to see, hear, and believe and understand what is the most pertinent thing for us to think about and look at right now. And that we might think like you do and see like you do. And please you well in all things and remove every hindrance that your perfect will might be done through us, in us. We'll give you the glory and by your grace we'll not be hearers only. We are and will be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Ha kodela o nishtio nede avlati amonde oprase ebridi. For we stand at the threshold. We stand at the door of so much more. We stand at the place of entering in to the higher place, the higher level, the greater glory, the greater power, the greater fruit. So don't be afraid and don't hesitate, don't pull back, don't fear, don't delay, but believe and step out and step forward and say, here we are, use us, here we are, we give it our all and we receive your all. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Take us in, take us in to the fullness of what you've called us to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 126. How many believe that? Oh, I can sense it in my spirit. It's true. We're not going to stay where we are. We're not going back to where we've been. 
What are we doing? God's taking us up. Right? Oh, thank you, Lord. An exciting, exciting, exciting life. Mm-mm-mm. Let's praise Him some more. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship You. We give You glory. We honor You. We magnify You. Hallelujah. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Everybody say dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Somebody say ha, ha, ha. ha, ha, ha. Get used to that. Yes. And our tongue with singing. singing. Well, go ahead and sing a little bit then. Oh, don't, don't talk. Sing. Ah, praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Get used to that. Somebody say laughing and singing. That's supposed to be normal for you and me. You know it's not normal for most Christians. Straight-faced, sober, super serious. Did you know that there are untold numbers of depressed Christians? That's a contradiction of terminology. Depressed Christ I am, anointed one. He was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above his brethren. You can't be living like a real Christian and be depressed. Somebody said out loud, laughing and singing. Singing and laughing. That's how I live. When you get up Monday morning, what you supposed to start doing? Laughing and singing. Then later on in the day, what you supposed to do? Laugh and sing. Then that night when you're good and tired and you come in, what you supposed to do? Laugh and sing. What a different life we'd have if we'd obey the Bible. Didn't he say, except you are converted and become like little children? What do little children do? They like to laugh. Oh, they do a lot of laughing. They laugh about nothing. They just laugh. They like to sing. Oh, yeah. They'll sing. Right? The wheels on the bus go round and round. They'll sing it till you want to stop and get out of the car. Well, how much more could we sing something good? Sing about Jesus. Sing about the Word. Right? Something else they'll do, too, is dance at the drop of a hat. In fact, it, you watch it. Little ones that haven't learned, you know, to be reserved yet. You play music, and what will happen? Amen. They will dance. They don't care how it looks. Right? Well, the Lord told us to be like that. Didn't He?
And then said they among the heathen. Now the heathen we're talking about the blessed of the Lord. Should the heathen be talking about you? Yeah, and it shouldn't be about your sin or your hypocrisy or about how we're fighting with each other. It should be about what? What did the heathen say? The heathen said it was obvious to the unbelievers that the Lord has done great things for them. Is that the will of God? Is it the will of God that unbelievers, scoffers, fault finders, doubters, sinners be impressed by the goodness of God in our lives? See, so so many good things and such great good things happening for us that they have to acknowledge God has done great things. Well, what did they just get through saying? They believe in God. Right? Why, why say God has done great things for them? You don't even believe in God. They just got through saying they believe in God. Why? Looking at you. Watching you. They know you're not smart enough to do all that. Right? They know you could have never pulled that off. And after a while, even though they might not have wanted to admit it in the beginning, after a while, they just have to realize and admit God is real. Has to be. Look at them. God has done good things and great things for them. The heathen said it. Oh, you know, that's that's one reason the devil has fought healing so hard. He has fought prosperity so hard. Can you see this? Why? Because he wants to keep people in the dark believing that God is a stern, mean, cruel God and he'll... He'll put sickness on you and he'll break you and he'll do this and that because that makes people want to stay away from him. Oh, but the goodness of God, the goodness of God leads people, draws them to turn around, repent and come believe the gospel and believe in God. Where are they going to see this goodness, pray tell? Where, how are they going to see the goodness of God and them not even believing in God? They're supposed to see it in you, my brother, sister, with your healed self and all your healed babies and your healed children and all your houses and your lands and your stuff and your money and the goodness that just flows and flows until they see you laughing. They see you singing. They see you dancing every day while they're depressed and taking drugs. Yeah! They see it. They see it. They see it. And they have to say, God has done great things for them. Oh, we have in church this morning. The Lord has done great things for them. Let me read this to you from another translation. When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. Now keep that word in mind. Everybody say dream. dream. 
Very important word today. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And the heathen said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Somebody say that out loud. What amazing things the Lord has done for the Who said that? The heathen. The unbelievers. It became so obvious. The blessing on the people of God's lives became so obvious that the heathen unbelievers had to admit and say, God has done amazing things for them. And we said, yes. The Lord has done amazing things for us. What a joy. What joy. Man, we could just shout on this the rest of the day, couldn't we? The Lord has done great things for them. And we said, yeah, the Lord has done. Now, you know, you know there, there's volumes of revelation in every phrase here. When people come to you and say, God has done something in your life. It is not time for you to take the credit. It is not time for you to tell them how hard you've worked and how much you've studied and how much you prayed and how much you fasted. And What's it time to do? Say, yeah, yes, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Ain't time for you to talk about your faith and how much word you know. Ain't time for you to brag on your church and your pastors. Huh? Ain't time for you to brag on us. It's time for you to say, yeah, the Lord. He did. He He is the one that did it. He has done great things for us whereof we are glad, i.e. all the previous laughing and singing. Right? Refer back to previous verse. Glad. Everybody say glad. 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 Oh, can can you see what has been such a hold up and such a hindrance? We got millions of stiff, stuffy, sick, broke, sad Christians. And all they know how to do is preach to, preach to people and, and tell them about the, their sin and just don't go to hell. And that's all they know. And people have not been seeing the goodness of God. So they haven't been turned and drawn. But I made up my mind. The goodness of God is going to be revealed in Keith and Phyllis and the Faith Life family. And the more life ministry, the goodness of God is going to be seen and going to be known until it is indisputable. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing until even the heathen have to say, God has done great things, amazing things for them. And what will we say? Yeah, God has done. Great things for us. We are so glad about it. We are so glad about it. So glad. So glad. About it. Now look at verse 4. 
He said, now turn again our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Now, other translations bring out, not just one or two, but you see translation after translation says it like this. Lord, restore our fortunes. The English says, Lord, make us prosperous again. Well, of course, he's talking about heathen seeing the goodness of God. And what are the heathen so concerned about? Money. Money. What means more to a lot of folk, a lot of heathen than anything in the world? Money, money, stuff, money. And he said, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Lord, make us prosperous again. Just as the rains bring water back to dry riverbeds. What a picture. Dry, cracked riverbed, no fish, no grass, no greenery. But here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. And the rain comes and falls and falls until it fills up the streams and the streams flow into the river and it, it, it flows over the dry and the cracks disappear and then it fills it up and fills it up. Here come back the fish. Here comes the abundance. Here comes the grass and the flowers and the trees. All a picture of prosperity. All a result of the goodness of God. And he's going to do it, not while you're sad, not while you're crying and complaining and depressed, but while you're laughing and singing. Oh, you're laughing and singing. But now notice, very important, this started out talking about when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. We were like them that started out talking about a dream. And then down here, look how it ends up. Look how it ends up. What does it say? They that what? They that sow. Somebody say sow. Do you believe in sowing and reaping? Are you a sower? It grieves me when I see people make fun of this. And when I see people write unbelieving and, and ignorant books and, and preach against this and mock and make fun of this, sowing and reaping is God's granddaddy principle in the earth. Didn't he say in Genesis that as long as the earth exists, there's going to be night and day. There's going to be heat and cold. What else is there going to be? There's going to be. Seed time and harvest. So every day of the world when we realize it's another night, it's another day, it's either hot or it's cold. What else should we be thinking about? Sowing and reaping. Why? Because everything in our life is based on it. Depends on it. Everything in our life. And he said, he's talking about the captivity being turned. He's talking about the goodness of God flowing and prosperity coming and being restored and fortunes being returned and restored. And he says, so. Them that what? Those that sow 
in tears. Uh, is it always a good time to sow? <laughs> I, I've not once have I ever had the Lord ask me when he dealt with me to sow something. Did he say, Keith, is this a good time? <laughs> For one thing, it'd be unnecessary because he already knows. Always. Right? Everything about what I've got and don't have. Right? But how many remember in Ecclesiastes, don't turn there, but Ecclesiastes 11 says, uh, He that observes the wind shall not sow. He that regards the clouds shall not reap. Listen to uh, the English. If you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you'll never plant anything and you'll never harvest anything. If you wait for perfect conditions, and aren't there a lot of people doing that? Well, no, now's not a good time. Have you ever heard that? Well, now's not, now's not a good, now's a bad time. It's just not a good time. I got this, and I got that, and I got this coming up, and the kids need this, and the insurance, and, and I got to do this, this by the end of the month, and the first quarter I got this. Well, then just miss God. Don't plant anything, and you won't reap anything. And people are, oh, people are missing it in this area. Oh, you know, you don't hear about it. You don't talk about it, but it's happening all the time. And and I don't know what God has dealt with you to sow and do. You don't know what he's dealt with me about. But people are not obeying him on a huge scale because they're looking at the wind. And this ain't right. And this is not time. And I'm just not sure. It's not a good time. Not a good time. He said, if you wait for perfect conditions, you won't sow anything. And you won't, be, you won't reap anything. You'll be waiting for perfect conditions next time we see you. How many can testify by experience, by walking with God in faith now, that he's dealt with you to sow and it wasn't a good time compared to looking at some other stuff around? He knew it was a good time. But if you'd have just been going walking beside, looking at what you see and feel, you'd think, oh, boy, no, not now. This is not a good time. But how many that went on and obeyed him? Come on now, how many that went ahead and obeyed him and sowed and did what he said can testify that it's good to be around when harvest time comes? And you can testify that the rest of the verse is true. What does it say? Huh, come on, they that sow, sow in tears, what's going to happen? They will reap, Woo! reap. In joy. Refer back to previous verse about laughing and singing. And about the goodness of God. And even the heathen going, woo, they've done, God's done great things for them. Right? Oh, can you see this is all connected to why was God able to do such great things for you? You were willing to dream. You were willing to sow. Even when it didn't look and feel like it's a good time to. Come on, somebody help me with this now. You were willing to dream and have a vision. And you were willing to sow towards that vision. They that sow in tears. They'll what? Reap in joy. Read the rest of it to me. And what? He that goes forth, weeping, oh, I like this, 
bearing precious seed. Precious seed means a lot of things. Sometimes it has to do with you have so little. It's so little. You only got $10. God deals with you to sow five of it. Or all of it. It's precious. And sometimes people think, well, what's $5 going to do? It ain't about $5. It's about your heart. It's about your obedience. It's about your faith. It's about your vision. And it can be precious to you for any number of reasons. But it's precious. How many remember David said when he was going to offer uh, to the Lord uh, at the threshing floor of Arana? And he said, I'll just give it to you. I'll just give you these oxen and yoke. He said, no, no, I'm not going to offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. What's he saying? It, it, didn't have, it wouldn't have value to me. Let, me. let me pay you for it. Let me pay you full price for it. Right? So it'll be a precious seed. It'll be a seed of value. And so he did. He that goes forth and weeping, bearing, said out loud, precious seed shall doubtless come again with what? Oh, no crying now. No crying now. Coming back with rejoicing, doing what? Bringing his sheaves. Woo! He, he went out with, with a handful of precious seed. Now he's coming back what? Sheaves. Sheaves. You don't plant a bean and reap a bean. You reap beans. Everybody knows that. You don't plant a kernel of corn and reap two kernels of corn. You reap Ears of corn that have kernels all over them. You reap 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You reap multiplied what you say. Every farmer knows that. Just wonder why some Christians don't believe it. Go as forth, bearing precious seed, weeping. He will doubtless. Oh, don't see you see that word? I'm going to circle it right now. He shall what? He shall what? Now when the Bible says doubtless, don't doubt it. He will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Now listen. Go to, go to Proverbs. Then you can listen while you, while you look at this. Proverbs 29. We are a faith people. Of a faith God. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We receive by faith. We overcome by faith. We please God. Night and day. By faith. Now, something to to understand. Faith is inseparable from vision and obedience. In fact, Romans 16 talks about the obedience of faith. 
You'll see in Hebrews 11, so-and-so believed God, so they obeyed. Noah believed God, so what did he do? He obeyed and he built the ark. Abraham believed God, so he obeyed and went out, not knowing where he was going. Obeyed. So obedience has to do with obedience to go or to stay or to do or to sow. It's obedience. Somebody say vision and obedience. Proverbs 29 and 18. Proverbs 29 and 18. What does it say? <clears throat> Where there is no vision, what happens? <clears throat> Why do we have vision Sunday? We don't want to perish. We don't want to miss out. We don't want to lose. We don't want to regress. We don't even want to just stay where we are. Uh, when, when the Lord dealt with me about this, and uh, what was it, 95, I guess, the first time the Lord really dealt strong with. We had done some things along this line, but never quite this definite. It was at the end of the year, and uh, Phyllis and I had sat down and the end of the year talking about what God had done for us through the year and then what we're going to believe for, for the upcoming year in the ministry and personally. And uh, primarily we're talking about giving into the kingdom of God. And we were rejoicing because what we had set our heart to do the previous year, God had enabled us to do. And so uh, we had a yellow legal pad and we're writing down stuff and marking off stuff that had happened. And uh, we talked a couple hours or more about this. And I thought we were through. We'd talked about what we're doing in the kingdom. And we'd also talked about debts and getting rid of them and getting out. getting out. And the Lord dealt with me. He spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but inside. He said, I, we're, I'm getting ready to get up from the table and go do something else. He says, no, no, wait. Turn to a clean page. I knew it was the Lord. Turned to a clean. I told Phyllis, wait, wait, wait. Something else here. Turned to a clean page. Got my pen. He said, now, you've been talking for two hours about putting the kingdom first, about what you're going to sow into the kingdom, and about getting out of debt and these kind of things. So that's the first principle of prosperity. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He said, now, based on that, what would you like to have? Personally, what would you like to do for other people personally, natural stuff, if money was no object, if cost wasn't even a concern, if money price wasn't even an issue, write it down, think as big as you can. I knew it was the Lord. So talk to Phyllis about it. We begin to say, okay, uh. Well, we'd love, this would be nice, so we wrote it down. Well, this would be great, and that's when the, the Lord dealt with us, put down an airplane. Man, that seems so big to us. And it's amazing that in just a few months we had one. But at the time, it just I, I didn't know anybody I, in my family. I had never flown on an airplane. 
growing up. I didn't know anybody that, that ever flown even commercial. I grew up in the country, you might understand. It just, for me, for us, to have our own, it just seemed like an impossible dream. But then I started to think, well, <clears throat> how much do they cost? He said, I said, if money was no issue. Now, if you hadn't done this before, this is a challenge. Because your head has been programmed to think price, 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 price. And so we sat there for an hour and we talked and we wrote down some things and we wrote down some things and we wrote down some things. And the Lord said, I said, think as big as you can. And what, I, what we realized just a couple of hours is we looked at our list and I told Phyllis, that's pitiful. That's pitiful. God tells us, think as big as we can, no matter, cost not even an issue. And that's as big as we can think. And that's what he wanted me to see. People in the church are not dreaming. They are not thinking. They, they are not reaching out. Masses of Christians, their whole vision is hoping it'll be as good tomorrow as it is today. If we can just stay where we are and keep making it. No vision. So people are perishing. They're, they're perishing in their natural life and their financial life. And their ministries are perishing for they have no vision. I was driving with some people through a large city. Through one of the worst parts of town. Ghetto. Poverty stricken. And while we were driving through there. I was looking at the, the pain on the people's faces. I grew up poor. But not in the ghetto. I grew up in the country. I'd a lot rather be poor in the country. <laughs> and uh, we uh, were driving through there. And the Lord spoke these words to me. He said, no vision. No vi- the people have no vision. They can't see themselves coming out of there. They can't see themselves rising above it or living a better life. He said, I can take any one of these men or women and pull them out of here and make them rich and, and use them for my glory. But they can't see it. No vision. They can't see it happening. And that's what has to happen with us. We have to have a dream. We have to have a vision. Of something that is far beyond. What we had previously thought. And is he or is he not. Able to do. Exceeding. Abundantly. Above all that we would ask or think. But but does our asking or thinking have anything to do with it? He's able to top it, but top what? Well, what if you're not asking or thinking hardly anything? Well, he can top it, but topping that ain't much. And he's able to do it exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according To the power that is working within us. What's working in us? What's working? It's it's the vision. It is the vision and the faith. With the vision. Oh, can you see it? God's got to expand our insides. He's got to, if we'll let Him, enlarge us. 
so that we think beyond. See, so many Christians, so many churches, so many ministries, they're just trying to stay under the radar. Don't want anybody to notice me. So I don't have any problems. Hmm? I know. I've been tempted. You know, I don't want to be higher profile than I am. From the natural, why? Higher profile, bigger target. Easier for people to see and shoot at. Right? But that's not the will of God. We're not supposed to hide our lamp and candle under a bushel. It's supposed to be set up on the lampstand. It's supposed to be the city on the hill that everybody can see. We ain't supposed to be quiet. We're not supposed to be low profile. We're supposed to be up, out, in your face. Hey, here we are. Huh? In your ear, on the radio, in your face, on the TV, everywhere, everywhere you look. Here we are. Hey, we're blessed. See the goodness of God. What's the Lord saying? Wake up. Wake up. Don't, don't go back to your place in the country and you're just going to play it safe and you're just going to lay low. No, no. Think big. Dare to dream big and think big. What are we going to do in the kingdom of God? Because in a few more clicks, your life's going to be over. And is the Lord going to be excited when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, what, and you say, well, <laughs> I laid low. I stayed out of everybody's way. I didn't cause no trouble. I stayed under the radar. Nobody noticed. I was just happy. You're not here just to be happy. You're here to do a job. I'm here to do a job. We're not here just to make it through. Just to make a living. We must have a vision beyond and above. Now we are told. That Abraham, and I'm so stirred up about this this morning. Abraham is our father of faith. And the Lord stirred, I'm seeing things about this I hadn't seen before. You want to learn about faith? Go study Abraham. What he did, what he didn't do. He is such an example and he's held up to us, to every believer today. He is the father of all those who believe. The Bible said in Romans 4 and Galatians. Are you a believer? Yes, sir. Should you learn from your father, yes. the one who believed God when nobody was believing God? Yes. We're talking about a long time ago. Yes, sir. He didn't have any New Testament to go by, but he believed God. Yes. Go with me to Genesis. Let's go through this. As time would permit here. And if it doesn't permit, we'll take some more. Some extra. We don't need a permit. (laughs) Right? Genesis 12. I want us to look for a few minutes at the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. Is Abraham a man of faith? 
Are we to be people of faith? Is God going to work with us in similar ways that he worked with Abraham? Yeah, because God doesn't change. Faith doesn't change. Works exactly the same today as it did uh, when Abraham was alive. Notice chapter 12, Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, get you out of your country, from your kinfolks, from your daddy's house, to a land that I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless him that bless you and curse him that curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Does he have the word of the Lord? Can he believe this based on what God has now told him? But now how did it start out? It started out with instructions that should be obeyed. Are you going to get the blessing standing on the word and believing it if you don't obey? See, people miss this. Well, I'm going to believe God for this. What did he tell you to do? There's always something that he tells you to do in line with the vision and blessing. Is, is he endeavoring to build vision into this man? See, no doubt, he's just like you and me. He's got family. He's got his business. He's got his, his flocks and his herds and stuff that he's doing. And he might have thought he'd stay right there where he was and do his flocks and do his crops until he became an old man and died. Right? But is that big enough vision to suit God? Come on, y'all help me with this now. Is this the dream God had for him? God has something big. I said God has something big. He always has something big. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name big and great. And you're going to be a blessing. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He's taking him global. He wants to take you global. Yes, he does. But if you go, well, I'm just, I'm just me. Lord, I'm, I'm just, I'm just scared and lazy. And people close up their spirits and, well, I got my little job and, and I'm happy and as long as I got something to eat and, you know, a place to lay my head, I'm okay. If I can just make it through till Jesus comes. No. No. God has something for you. It's bigger than your head. It's bigger than you thought. But will you receive it? Will you believe it? And he's got direction that goes with it. And so the next question is, will you obey it? What happened next? Verse 4. What? So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Phyllis and I have done that two significant times already. And it's, it's not easy. 
It can be tough on your flesh to leave your family, to leave your friends, to leave everything you know, everything you're used to, everything you're comfortable with, everything you've already built. It was a challenge. When we left, we left home, we left Mississippi, we left our families, we left our folks. I left my hot rod. I left my dog. had a good dog. He rode in my truck. He caught frisbees. He would guard my motorcycle. <clears throat> had a good hot rod. 37 Ford Coupe. Candy Apple Red. Yeah. <clears throat> now I know it don't sound like a whole lot, but when that's, that's all you know. At your life. But even more than that, I was close to my grandparents, close to my parents, Phyllis and her folks. And you leave everything. And we'd never been out from home and go into a place where you don't know anybody. You got no contacts. In the church, people loved me. The local churches around there, they knew that I loved God. And, and, and you know, uh, we'd sing. I'd sing and play with our family and with some other folk we did. And, and, you know, people knew you, knew a little bit about you. Now you're going into a place where nobody knows anything about you. You have no place. Nobody esteems you. You're starting from scratch. Oh, but what if we hadn't obeyed? What if I was still there? Living in our trailer? What if I was still throwing my frisbee trying to get the dog to catch it? And that was the fullness of my vision. You and I wouldn't know each other. We wouldn't be here. Right? And then, through walking by faith year after year after year after year, God blessed us. He added to us. He increased us. He used us. He put us from apartment to apartment to rent house to house to show enough house. From junker to car to pretty good used car to good used car. To brand new Corvette. From nothing to flying to paid for plane, paid for hangar, offices, ministry. And then he says, I want you to leave all this and go to Branson. Don't know anybody in Branson. I didn't lose anything in Branson. I'm sure it's a great place, but I never thought about it. And the years of, of relationship and, and growing and development, and we'd had stand and believe for certain things, you understand, and make progress. I mean, that hanger, I believe for that thing. And Phyllis believed the house, and she just got through. With, so anyway, you know the story, but did, does it make a difference whether you obey or not? Can you just stay... And you know, I'm going to believe God for God's best, but you ain't going to obey. You won't leave. You won't do what he told you. It's not going to happen. There's got to be the obedience that accompanies the vision. Can you see it? Now keep reading. Turn on over to the uh, 13th chapter. I'm going to need some extra time this morning. Can you give it to me? It's important that you do. 13 and 14. 13th chapter, 14th verse. 
The Lord said to Abram after Lot was separated from him. He's at a place where it looks like he just got took. Lot took all the good land. He got what's left. It ain't looking too good. But the Lord said, lift up your eyes. Somebody say, lift up your eyes. He said, look from the place where you are right now. Look northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see to you will I give it and to your seed forever. And I'll make your seed as the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed be numbered. What's he doing to him? What's he doing to him? Vision. His words are putting vision into the man. Can you see yourself owning all of this? Can you see yourself with descendants like the dust of the earth? Is he having to receive this by faith? Because it doesn't look like it right now. It looks like he just lost what little he had. God's putting vision in him. There is nothing for your faith to produce. Without a vision. That's why with no vision people perish. That's why having this vision Sunday is so important and essential. And you don't just show up here Sunday and say let's find out what's going on. You're supposed to be right now. Thinking about it. Talking about it. Right? Thinking about it. Talking about it. Do we have those vision uh, slides? We, we've got the uh, write the vision pages out here in the foyer at the information area if you're unfamiliar with this or you need to be reminded go out there pick up the page and it go through step by step what we're going to do what we are doing and what we're going to do and so put it up how it's going to operate sit down number one what does that mean why sit down because we ain't going to do this in a minute or two take some time with your spouse, with your children if you have them. Check your heart. Talk about these three areas. What's the first one? Well, we're going to write them down. We're not just going to talk them, but we're going to write them down. Remember I had that list, that, that legal pad. Whatever you use, write them down. Put it in print. You're going to write down what you desire to give to sow into the kingdom of God this 2006. Are you with me now? I'm going to say, well, you know, just whatever I can, Brother Keith. That's not good enough. Because see, what people are trying to do, they're trying to leave it up to God. Hmm? And 2 Corinthians, well, we'll turn there. Hold, hold your place here. Go to 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> I'm going to take some extra time this morning. But, but don't, don't drift on me now. Stay hooked. This is important. 2 Corinthians, the uh, ninth chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. What does it say? He that sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to how? Whatever comes in, whatever God works out for him, no, as as what? As he purposes in his heart. 
See, so much of this is up to us. You've got to purpose in your heart that you're going to believe for something and do something when you can't see how. You can't just wait and see what happens. You've got to purpose. Purpose. We're going to put this into the kingdom of God by faith this year. Right? Now, we're not just limited to the remaining days of 2006. If it, if it lo- flowed over into 2007, that's okay too. Don't get hung up on a time frame. But basically, we're believing to put this into the kingdom of God in the near future. What else? What you owe. You write it down. Every debt. Large, small, get it in front of you. What the, what the principal, what the payoff is, what the uh, interest is, what the payment is. Don't, don't just rock along and not know, know it. And then thirdly, what? What you'd like to have or do personally if price or cost was of no concern, not even an issue. Don't even try. Don't even think about how much it costs. Would you like to have it? Then put it on the list. Don't even think about how much it costs. Would you like to do it or do it for somebody? Put it on the list. Put it on the list. We're not talking about what you can do. We're talking about what God can do. Put it on the list. But think big. Stretch. Believe. Reach. Dream. Let him put a vision in you. Can you say amen? amen. Then we're going to come. Is, is the rest of that up here? We're going to come together. And we're going to hold it up on the on Vision Sunday. We're going to hold this up before the Lord, all of us. You're going to bring your list here. Now, don't show it to me. Don't show it to anybody else. But you're going to bring it here. We're going to all stand up, and we're going to hold it up before the Lord, and we're going to do these things. We're going to acknowledge uh, the Lord is our, our source, and we're going to release this, and all of us are going to get in faith about this as a church family and then over your own family stuff. Are you with us on this now? Do not belittle this. Do not despise this and let this miss you and pass you by. Please do this. Do it. Can you say amen? amen. How many going to do it? Let me see. You going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm looking in the camera now. You going to do this? If, you, if you're a member with us by internet, do it. Don't, don't, don't let this pass you by. Do exactly what we have uh, talked about. This is available on the internet, by the way. The right, the vision. I think there's a document there that you can you can get that there. Now keep reading. Genesis uh, 15. Genesis 15 and five. He God brought Abraham forth. Eyes. <coughs> And brought him forth and said what? Said what? Can you see a recurring thing? He told him, look. Look north, look south, look east, look west, look. In, in the next uh, upcoming days and months, God's going to tell you to look at things. Go look at that. You'll think, Lord, but how, that cost, and he'll say, hush. Don't tell me about the cost. Go look at it. Go look at it. Look at this. Can you see yourself in it? Can you see yourself with it? Can you see yourself doing it? Yeah, but it costs. Don't tell him. Don't talk about cost. Not to you. Not to each other. 
Is he dealing with you to, to, to believe for one? Then you put it on your list. And you get it in your spirit. And you believe to do it. Look now toward heaven. And tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. Do you see the man? He's outside in the night sky looking up. He said, Abraham, can you number, can you count and tell me the number of all these stars? He said, no, sir. It's too many. It's a lot of them. There's more over there. Everywhere I look, I see more. He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. What, what question do you think might have crossed his mind? How? With a, with a barren wife? How? We don't have five kids. Much less... Oh, but this is why he's in the book. This is why he is called the father of all them that believe. Because the very next verse says what? 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 And he believed in the Lord. What does that mean? He let the vision in. He let the dream come in him. And said, yeah, I believe it. I don't know how. I don't know from where. I don't know the way, but if you say it, it's beyond my mind. It's beyond what I could see and figure, but I believe it. Oh, that's the wonderful thing about faith. You don't have to understand. You don't have to know from how and where. You can believe it. You can believe it when you can't see any way. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Now Genesis 16, they tried to make it come to pass with Hagar. Big mistake. Should this be a warning to us? When God puts a vision in you and you know it's the will of God, might you be tempted to try to make it happen yourself some way? And can you get in God's way? And can you mess stuff up? Listen to this phrase, friend. It's a, it's a quote. Through faith and... And what? Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. James says, let faith, let patience have her perfect work so that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. To get God's best, to get the fulfillment of his best and highest dream and vision. It takes faith and it takes patience. It takes patience. Yes. Your flesh wants it right now. Yes. You may think you need it right now. But you got to wait on him. And let him do it his way. It takes patience. What that means is you just keep believing God. You just keep on. No matter how much time. No matter what changes. If it gets better or looks worse. You just don't quit. And you stay with him all the way. And you let patience have her perfect work. And then it's done. God's way. God's way. His best. And you wind up perfect. Complete. Entire. Wanting nothing. Can you say amen? Now you might think. 
That's the end. He has obeyed God. That's faith. He has received the vision. He has believed what his head cannot comprehend, what his eye cannot see. But notice what came next. Genesis 21. Here comes Isaac. Hallelujah. And you might, you know, 20 and 21. And you might think, and I I suppose Abraham might have thought, the dream has come to pass. Isaac, laughter. They're laughing and rejoicing. Who would have thought? That's what they were saying to each other. Who would have thought Sarah would have given, would would have nursed a baby at this age? Who would have thought? They, they, might have, they might have felt like the dream has come to pass. But had it? What's the dream? What's the vision? See, we, you and I will be tempted to think small. And to think, well, here's the miracle. This is it. But chapter 22, what comes next? It came to pass after these things, God did tempt or test or prove Abraham. And he said, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get you up to the land of Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. This This is the part that many do not see. If we're going to experience the fulfillment of God's greatest vision, we have to be willing to sow our greatest seed. There must be the obedience to obey Him. Go when He says go. Stay when He says stay. There must be the open heart and mind to believe what God says and let the vision get in you and let the dream come into you. But then, there must be the seed sown that God can use to bring the vision to fulfillment, to bring it to pass. How many can see this was his whopper chunk seed? This was, is this precious seed? Oh, oh. If God is going to be able to justly do things for us of a magnitude and to an extent and to a glory that He is not doing for other people. It'll be because we are willing to believe and to obey and to sow like other people are not willing to. Now when I say sow, I'm not just talking about dollars. This is not dollars. But this is precious. Oh, I like this next verse. Read, read it to me. What's that next next verse say? What? Abraham. What? 
I mean, he didn't lay there and, and mess with it and, and talk. He didn't drag around and see if he could postpone it a day or two. He got up early the next morning and he got the boy and he got the wood and he got the knife and they headed out. Why? Oh, do you see why he's in the book? Do you see why he's in the book? You know the story. He took that boy. He laid him out. He began to raise up his knife. And God said, I've seen your heart. You've already done it. (laughs) You've already done it. So take him off of there. And they turn around. Here's a ram with his horns caught in the thicket. And he named that place the Lord sees and provides. Miracle provision. And how many can see now you and I and every believer around the face of this earth around the planet on the face of this earth, every believer in heaven right now, are the seed of Abraham. How many multiplied millions of there are of us right now? And we're multiplying every day, right? It's coming to pass. And can you see him sowing his precious seed, his only begotten son, gave God his covenant friend. The legal right to sow His only begotten Son, the most precious seed, into the earth. You and I are the result. We are the harvest. We are the fruit and fulfillment of this covenant and this sowing and this obedience and this faith. Can you say amen? And you and I are told to walk in the same steps. Of faith. Of our father of faith. Abraham. Oh can you say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well I need to tell you about something that happened last week. The Lord's been dealing. With Phyllis and I. Of course we're just like you getting ready. For Vision Sunday. What are we going to put into the kingdom of God. And what uh you know, we're going to believe for. And the Lord dealt with us that we already had our whopper chunk seed in hand. Put it up on the screen there, David. The aircraft. The aircraft. The jet. The Lord let us know that's our whopper chunk seed. And uh, we, ever since we got that plane, Phyllis and I had talked about a certain ministry that had crossed our mind. And so as we uh, progressed, you know, through the year after year, it kept coming up to us. We'd talk about it from time to time. And as we drew close to last week, we both got it in our hearts. It's time. It's time. So, last, this past Thursday, at approximately 4.30, after consulting with the boards of Faith Life Church and More Life Ministries, we sowed. This precious seed 
Hallelujah. We sold it to Happy and Jeannie Caldwell and their church and their ministry in Little Rock. Now what you may not, now when I say we sold it, I mean you. You didn't know about it, but how many okay with this so far? You, what you may not know is that uh, Brother Happy and Jeannie had been believing for one of these. I think at least 10 years. And they had sown airplanes themselves. They sowed the 421 that uh, Miss Billy Brim wound up with <clears throat> later. And uh, when, uh, when they received their new aircraft, uh, they sowed that airplane back to Happy and Jeannie Caldwell. And he didn't tell everybody, but he and I talked, this was a year ago. And he didn't know, we didn't say a word about any of this. He had not a clue that we were that even thinking about this. And uh, he stood out there before this happened and he looked at that airplane and he said, Lord, where's my airplane? You know, he's sown aircraft. He'd been standing for years. Lord, where's my airplane? And so at 4.30 Thursday, we asked him to come down. To the hangar during the meeting. Had them come get up in the airplane and sit and look. They said, oh, this is nice. We said, yeah, ain't it nice? (laughs) And uh, we talked about it. I'd asked him, you know, I know y'all are believing for something. And and what are y'all believing for? Oh, this. (laughs) And uh, something like this, you know, something like this. And I said, "Brother, Brother Happy, I got a word from the Lord for you. He said, yeah. I said, a year ago, you stood out here, and you said, Lord, where's my airplane? I said, here's your airplane. It's right here. We were getting it ready for you, putting this new equipment in it, getting it ready. So we have sown now a whopper chunk. See. This is easily worth over a million dollars. And it's paid for. Hallelujah. And it's got RVSM and GPS and satellite weather and new radios and on and on. Paid for. Paid for. We've replaced all kinds. Of, I mean, it's ready to go. So it's a good seed. Somebody said, what about what you going to do, Brother Keith? Don't you think I've thought about that? I'm following in the steps of Abraham. The Lord will provide. He will provide. But we we are believing for big stuff. We're believing for buildings and lands. Aren't we? I'm believing. What if the Lord tells us, you know, to launch out tomorrow or next month and build a 5,000 seater? Did you hear me? What, what if he tells us to, to, to develop a whole campus and to do this? Well, we, we've got to have seed in the ground. Do you see what I'm talking about? We've got to have more capable equipment. 
to do the job. And I tell you what Phyllis and I were talking about the other day. You know, it's one thing to believe God. But when you know you've got your best seed in the ground, man, it gives you confidence. You just know that you know, yeah, it's all going to come in. I mean, what's just a 30-fold return on a million dollars? That's just 34. And these guys are good ground. They are good. If you don't know them, they're some of the most faithful people. I'm telling you. Good ground. But number one reason we did it is because the Lord dealt with us too. That's it. But he knows the future. And he knows what to sow, when, and how. Can you say amen? Amen. Everybody say precious seed. Precious seed. In the beginning days of the church, do you remember how that they were coming and they're bringing houses? Is that right? They're bringing houses. They're bringing properties. They're, they're, they're liquidating them. They're sowing big seed. They're sowing their precious seed. Now, do not just run and throw your precious seed at the first person you see. We prayed about this for months. We looked at it and checked it and checked it and checked You understand what I'm saying? Don't you think I checked it? I got a whole schedule of stuff that we were basing on this. But when you know that you know, don't delay. Don't wait. Don't cry. If you cry a tear, wipe it off. Right? And and when you bring in that precious seed, what's going to happen later? Remember our text? In fact, go back. Go back. We need to read it again now. Go back. Psalm 126. We'll close with this. Why am I telling you this? God speaks to us. He puts vision in us. He puts the dream in us. He gives us instructions that must be obeyed for the completion of the vision. And he will ask for your Isaac. This has not been preached enough. We live in a generation of no cost, no sacrifice religion. Did you hear me? God, yes, he will. He will ask for your Isaac and it proves you, it tests you. Will you obey or won't you? Does this mean, does this thing or this money or this property mean more to you than the kingdom of God? It will test you. And a whole lot of people won't obey. I'm so glad Phyllis and I didn't struggle with this. We didn't. We've been here before too many times and we've seen every time we've obeyed God. Oh, here come the flood of blessings right on the heels of it. We're not going to do without. But God will put his finger on things in your life. Did you hear me? At different times and different situations. And you must be willing to obey him. Because the seed is what gives him the right to bring the fulfillment of this big vision. And this big dream. You've got to be willing to obey him with anything. Said out loud. There is nothing in my life. That means more to me. Than God. There is nothing. No money. No stuff. No person that is off limits, that is above him, everything under my hand is at his disposal. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 126. Are you ready? Psalm 126. What does it say? Hmm? Y'all were happier a while ago. What, what, what happened? <clears throat> when the Lord brought back, turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them. Do I have any dreamers out here? Do I have somebody that will take a beat? Man, I, I can already dream what we're going to be riding in next. I can see it. I see it real clear. I'll tell you about it later. But this is not, you don't just sow a a bean and get a bean. I'm not just believing for a replacement upgraded aircraft. I'm believing for buildings and lands and outreach and TV and satellite and internet expanded and untold numbers of materials sown free of charge. And what's the result of that? People getting saved and filled and back to God, healed and delivered. The more we can get out there, right? The more we can sow, the more people can be affected and impacted. Hallelujah. But can you see? How about you? Can you see you coming up? That was way too weak. Have you been dreaming? If it's by yourself, do it. If it's with your wife, your husband, your kids, do it. But sit down and dream and talk. Dare to dream. Dare to think big. Reach out. Talk numbers you've never talked before. I said talk numbers you've never talked before. What's wrong with you claiming 100000 to put into the kingdom? I didn't say you had to sow it here. Do what the Lord tells you to do. But what's wrong with you claiming a hundred thousand or a half million? Huh? What? What? Now, now don't just pick a figure. See what the what bears witness with your spirit. It might be a thousand dollars. It might be ten thousand. It might be ten million. I don't know where you are, but dare to dream. Dare to dream. Dare to reach. Dare to have vision. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that. Dream, then what? Come on, read it to me. Read it to me. Our mouth. Oh, we were laughing. Laughing. And we were singing. Laughing and singing. What? What else? Read to me. Then said they, among the unsaved unbelievers, scoffers, skeptics, Infidels, unbelievers, atheists, agnostics, religious dead folk. Then said they among all them, the Lord has done great things for them. The heathen could see it. And then we said. We said, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. The Lord has done great things 
laughing, we sing because we're glad. We're glad. Keep reading, keep reading. Turn again our captivity. We said that means restore our fortunes. Make us prosperous. Read it and you'll find out. As the streams in the south. What else? They that sow in tears. I like my citation. I like it. It's the fine, it's it's finest tool we've ever had. You know what it's meant to us. We've been able to go and come and get back and sleep in our bed and rest. God gave it to us to do this job, both jobs. Right? And I hadn't shed a tear, but I think one started to come one time. I, 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 yeah, joy overtook it. I, I, can't, I can't even let one out because I'm so excited about what I know. Right? Because this ain't my first time. This ain't our first time with this. They that sow in tears. Woo! We already got the seed in the ground. Man, I mean, it's, it's, it's done. They'll reap in joy. And what? And what? He that goes forth and weeping, bearing precious seed shall doubtless. Ain't no way. There ain't no way we're going to come out of this not being blessed, 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 blessed. We're going to have the best buildings and the best lands. We're going to have the very best. The Lord told me this before we ever moved. When we were leaving stuff in Branson, you know, I think I told you one day I was shaving and, and he's, and I, I'm kind of thinking, well, what about this? What about that that we believe for? He said, do you believe I can do better for you than this? I said, yes, sir. He said, and then later he said, I'm giving you, I'm going to give you, and I'm giving you the best of Branson. That's what he told me. I'm giving you the best of Branson. That's for you. That's for you. If you're a part of this, that's for you. Everybody said out loud, we're having the best of Branson. The best that's here. We're going, we have the best buildings, the best lands, the best facilities. We will have the best that's here. But can you not see? You've got to be willing to sow your best. You've got to be willing to give God your best. And sow your best if your faith is going to be on the level to claim and believe for His best. And we're there. But you've got to be there personally. You've got to be there in your business. You've got to be there in your family. And I'm telling you, getting you ready because God's going to deal with you. Right? He's going to tell you things. We, this has already come out through prophecy. It's come out two or three times. He's going to tell you things that's bigger than your head. Right? He's going to show you some things He wants to do in your life. And you must believe Him. He's going to tell you to do some things. You must obey Him. And there will be times He puts His hand on your Isaac and goes, I want that. Show that to me. And it will be, it'll be testing you. It will be proving your heart. But oh, if you've got any smarts, what will you do? Do not do it hastily. Are y'all with me now? Do not hear what we've done here and get excited and just run, try to take your most precious seed. Do not do that. Wait on the Lord. Be sure. When you you think it's right, check it again. You hear me now? Do not do something off the cuff hastily. You can waste your seed. You You can miss God in these things. Make sure. How did we know to do this? God told us. 
He directed us to. We're sure. We, we're not wondering about it. We looked at this, prayed about it for months. We know. So, they that go, read that last verse again. They that what? They go forth and weeping, bearing precious seed. We were shouting about this. They're what? Shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing their new buildings and their new houses and their new airplanes and all their new stuff with them, shouting and rejoicing, laughing and singing, and even the heathen will say, boy, God has done great things for them. And we'll say, yeah. Yes, he has. Stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.